0: You're listening to Voyager Podcast, a show for discovery in web3, culture, music, tech, and futurism. I'm your host, Nick Hollins. You can find our website at voyagermedia.xyz. On the show today, Simona Pop, based in the UK and leading community strategy for status. Previous to this role, she was the co-founder of The Bounties Network, a protocol that has since been built upon further by Gitcoin, bringing all kinds of funding to early-stage builders in open technology. Simona is always looking toward empowerment, providing access and opportunity for people, looking beyond the niche sort of community that much of Web3 and DeFi exists in as of 2021. How do we grow this space and become ever more inclusive and encouraging adoption? Her role with status is very interesting in this regard as a project that aspires to be a next-generation social app and crypto wallet all at once, with priorities placed on privacy and encryption. Simona is a huge contributor and leader in the realms of Ethereum ecosystem development, education and developer resources, leading programming for events such as ETH Denver and DevCon. She's contributed to a whole range of different experiments and initiatives, including projects coming out through MetaCartel. We first met in early 2018 at Ethereal Summit in Brooklyn, at the booth for the Bounties Network. I'm excited to welcome her as a guest on this new show at Voyager. And starting out, how is Simona enjoying her work in Web3 at this time, with all travel and in-person meetups now having been disrupted, for just over a year.
1: So I think, obviously, um, the the past year has given us all um, a, a big, big opportunity to, um, let's say, after the initial shock, um, a real chance to to focus um, on what we're doing and to to focus on driving the the ecosystem forward. And I think if you zoom out um, in the context of this bull run that we're seeing and so on, you are very much seeing the shipping and the quality um that that is coming out of the ecosystem we're really, really matching that, if not exceeding it, which is wonderful to see because it's it's very much for anybody kind of um, linking the the or 2020 or or the the kind of um, times that we're going through right now, comparing it to 2017, it is nothing like 2017. Um, and again, it is because of that huge creativity, huge activity in the ecosystem, um, and really also the new people coming in. And having interactions with uh, crypto projects um, and, you know, becoming part of this ecosystem is really, really wonderful to see. And it's happening at breakneck speed. Um, the NFT space um, is uh, the perfect example for this, you know, for any of us who have been in uh, or or um, have had knowledge of Uh, nfts or or even kind of bought and minted nfts in our time back in 2017 2018 it's just the the you know the pedal is definitely to the metal and has been for the past what six months but really what three months um has just seen a huge huge growth um in the nft space which is again wonderful wonderful to see so i'm really down that nft rabbit hole at the moment
0: it's amazing. Um, I wonder because, obviously, with your role in um, working with the Status project, uh, what are you seeing of you know potentialities between NFTs and different forms of things in something like a, mm. a, a Status environment?
1: Yeah. So um, with Status, obviously, we've it's it's almost like there's several. Uh, different things converging or like stars aligning. But um, we've obviously seen this big surge in privacy consciousness almost, Um, obviously coming from the whole WhatsApp um, uh, debacle with them updating um, their T's and C's to essentially share your data with Facebook. Um, And I think for a lot of people, that came as a little bit of a not necessarily a shock, but it certainly kind of served as a little bit of a wake-up call um, in terms of just what happens uh, to their data and just how much data we are all leeching at all times. Um, And we've obviously, again, seen this huge re Thinking of the the tools that people use, so we saw a big surge in installs for Status, right? Not to the levels of um, Signal, but then again, Signal has been around for ten years, so a lot of people use it. And I think for a lot of people, privacy is still an active choice. Um, it definitely isn't a comfortable switch, uh, particularly when you're talking about Status, where it literally asks nothing of you no information it doesn't even ask for your name it doesn't ask for your email it doesn't even ask for your phone number right which is a big big problem um for a for a lot of the privacy conscious apps let's say like signal like telegram um who do ask for your phone number and that phone number does actually uh give out a lot a lot of information about you um and so it
0: seems completely absurd that those apps have a phone number okay it's like hold up (laughs) runs counter to the message on your homepage, kinda of thing.
1: Exactly. So it's like, like really everyone's saying, why do I get notifications
0: of my contacts joining signal? That doesn't seem like right. not ideal
1: everybody right and everybody you have in that list whether it's you know your um there was an article um i can't remember a few weeks ago but it was literally anybody who is in your address book whether you've forgotten about them or not are now kind of resurfacing because of these all of these notifications broadcasting to the world that you are now using a privacy privacy first uh, application, which is obviously not the case. So I think with status, that's it's the way I look at it. um, It's a next step in that active choice of privacy, because it isn't necessarily, um, you know, a a very um, run of the mill experience when we expect our applications to just work, right? To just log in with Google or with Facebook or with this or with that. Um, it, it isn't that, right? Because it, it does ask for for nothing um, of you. So then uh, it's a completely different, let's say, onboarding process. Um, and and it's wonderful to see, you know, that surge in um, installs and that kind of. Um, coming back to realizing that privacy is important. It's one of the, you know, the pillars um, of status. It's one of the 10 principles and, and dare I say one of the most important because at the end of the day, privacy is a human right. But kind of taking that and also chatting about the NFT space and, and the community space, we are actually in the process of um, working on a community's feature within status so that we can bring all of the, the dynamics and the tools needed to run a community in a space that is, um, you know, that, that benefits from that privacy and security goodness and the decentralized um, aspect of the status as a platform. And so this is something that's very, very important to me. I think it's a little bit again, crazy that all of the crypto projects and all of the crypto communities are using centralized tools like Discord and Telegram um, to, to kind of uh, grow and, um, and maintain their communities. And so I want to look at this um, at this evolution of the space, and create these um, the tools for communities, for decentralized communities, to actually exist in a decentralized, privacy-first, and secure environment.
0: And and that it's also in a product that also has kind of Web three social experiences. Absolutely. Um, and you've got your crypto wallet right there, you know, and you can do everything from there. And it's also your you know community and group exactly
1: so it, it, it again has all of those ingredients um, that you need for a community platform um, it has the communication piece it has the wallet transactional piece and then it also has the browsing facility which obviously allows um, individuals and communities to then explore the web3 space again in that privacy first secure decentralized flow
0: super cool I, I mean, an, anecdotally, um, I, I can only imagine that you've kind of been at places or introduced friends to status the app, kind of showing them like, how do you kind of introduce someone to the app when you, I can only assume you've done this in person.
1: Yes, I have. Um, my brothers um, on, on there, we chat now um, via status um, in, in, in into every other platform that we've ever used to to converse in but I think again one of the main things that I essentially say to people is not it's it's a mix between the privacy aspect and also the crypto aspect because I have a lot of people and I think all of us in this ecosystem have had over the past few months, the experience of long lost friends and acquaintances and members of our family ping us and say, hey, you know about crypto, what shall I do about this? Or what do you think about this? Or what are your thoughts about this? So I think it's part of that introduction is this, okay, if you want to explore Um, here is a great opportunity for you to explore the space, again, by getting one application that does three things, right? There are channels that will help you, you know, through your initiation, um, crypto initiation uh, process. There's the wallet that will obviously help you with investing in crypto or, you know, uh, exploring DeFi and so on. Um, And then there's the browser that will allow you to, again, explore all of these uh, different applications by art if you want to. I mean, this is one of the things that I've been doing for a very long time now, but even more intensified by working at status is to do things on mobile as much as possible.
0: Yeah, Because
1: we tend to forget that most of the world accesses digital services through their mobile. We do not have desktop computers and 10 laptops um, not... just around the world, right? So there's a lot, a lot of stuff that still needs or should be optimized for mobile. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't work on mobile. So I think a lot of the the flows that we're looking at and that we're um, kind of, exploring, I like to do a lot, a lot of that, um, you know, exploration via mobile. And as a result, I'm, I'm quite the bug finder. So um, I'll very often ping different projects and say, hey, did you know that this is terrible? <laughs> or, you know, like, um, and I think that's important. And I think, um, you know, being able to, again, being able to share things with, um, with, people by saying hey all you need to do is just download this one app and that will provide you this that and the other is a lot easier than then saying okay now you have to do this now you have to go here now you have to go to the other thing and so on
0: yeah definitely there's also that phenomenon where with a new app or a platform like this for for new people joining, it's like, well, how do my friends join? Like how, you know, yes. like people get stuck on a platform, people are stuck on Facebook or Instagram or whatever it is, because that's how they message with people. Yes. So how do how do we solve this like bridging problem or bring as many people <sighs> over as, as possible? Or is it is it just bound to be kind of a niche thing that will have a breakout moment at some point? much like many popular social apps, you know?
1: See, I kind of think there's right now, certainly, and and that's coming back to your, um, you know, to the point that we were making about this, share your phone number, right? Or or sign up with your phone number. Mm -hmm. Because the less you reveal about yourself, the less comfortable it is to then port over bits of, your life into something new and that's right now it is a trade-off between comfort and privacy right because it's there's a reason why the big applications of web2 have made it so simple right sure we'll make it super simple for you but here's the ton of data that you must share with us And because we've been educated in this way, right, and we've been doing this for so many years, anything that is less than comfortable is viewed as, you know, a lesser proposition or a lesser, um, you know, UI, right? But it's actually a process of unlearning and understanding that there's a lot that you are giving away in exchange for that comfortable experience that one step right that just you don't even um you know you 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 kind of um spend so little time signing up for something new that it's it should be less than x amount of seconds but actually what what are you trading in exchange for that and i think look all of these things will evolve to a level that will hopefully get to a certain degree of comfort without the pay, the, the the trade-offs, um, and it's a work in progress. Um, again, people forget, and this is something that I I love all the time. For anybody saying, "Why doesn't it happen quicker? Why doesn't you know things ship like?" Um, Or or why isn't this ready for mass adoption? People forget that we are all of us in the process of completely redesigning how things work. That's not going to happen in a summer. That's not going to happen overnight. Like If I look at status, it is essentially building the infrastructure that it needs to achieve that truly private decentralized dynamic. And if you have to build things from scratch, because if you use what's existing or try to use what's what's there, or certainly most of what is there um, for for the uh, pre-existing communication apps, you're going to trade off privacy, and that's not something that we're prepared to do. There's a lot of cases where, you know, Status didn't necessarily integrate with um, certain projects or or take on certain partnerships because they were not aligned from a central decentralization privacy transparency perspective and so you kind of go yes that would have gotten us a lot more users at that time but what's the trade-off and if you do build if you truly build aligned with your principles you're not going to cut corners you're going to keep doing it because you know you are doing it it to you know um, in line with those transparency decentralization privacy security principles
0: when when we're talking about like awareness and interest in the space obviously what's going on with nfts over the last few months is bringing a lot of interest mm-hmm. and you know amazing to see artists like it's ferocious doing Yes. what was it one or a few million dollar sale with the sneakers or like the and just like a whole series of like really you know a lot of heavy hitting work posted by and and people of course like it it, it, it's like a totally new dynamic and an experience for the internet it feels like and we're all just sort of watching Mm -hmm. it happen like this is interesting (laughs) but um you know, I, I could see this kind of potentially the the interest generated in this sort of tapping through to a lot more people to come and see what's over here and maybe they stumble into something like status and, and other products, you know.
1: I think there's again, I think it's all part of this evolution, right? We we definitely had the the DeFi boom and that's still going on but i think with nfts you're kind of stepping into something that has much broader appeal right art through its essence has a much broader appeal than for instance you know f- figures right or or understanding the intricacies of defi Let's say it Mm -hmm. appeals to a lot of people, but art just brings, opens up that door so, so much wider, Um, because suddenly you are interacting with something that not only moves you emotionally, right, you potentially have an emotional connection with all of these different artworks, or even, you know, um, hybrids of um, music and uh, imagery and so on and we're seeing so many interesting um, so so many interesting kind of um, expressions of this so Rack is doing a lot of great work um, Mike Shinoda recently um, did a released uh, a single via Zora and it comes with Artwork that actually you will then also get a signed print of because you bought that NFT, um, which is great. I'm excited because I did get one of those. Um, And so you're seeing this almost, again, a redesign of dynamic where you are removing so many degrees of separation from the usual dynamic of... An individual and an artwork, particularly at higher levels, right? And so, by removing all of those potential barriers, all of those different uh, third-party, um, all of the third parties that come into the the owning art experience, it just opens it up to everybody. You're you're suddenly almost face to face with that artist and interacting or investing in their work like for me the whole process is so much more about potentially supporting an artist or buying something because it genuinely I'm genuinely enjoying the experience or the feeling that it gives me than you know the the monetary side of it and how much can I flip this for
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's. And
1: of course, there's that side of things. Of course, there is. Of course, there is. But I think the whole experience starts being about something more than just the cash, which is very much what DeFi is about, right? It's a cold, hard cash. What can you make out of it? It's very, you're extracting value. Whereas with NFTs and with art, you are in this new dynamic where. You're potentially again supporting artists who are, um, you know, coming into this new space and suddenly have a real opportunity to monetize from their work to potentially really make a living out of their work. And yes, the famous, ferocious and people and so on. And Grimes just had a drop on Nifty Gateway yesterday and it crashed the site again, Mm -hmm. same way as people did um, with makers place. But I think underneath all of the famous ones, you have artists who are now again have these platforms to reach a huge global audience and I'm so excited when for instance I discover new work or um, invest in artists that I can see or that you know their style appeals to me but also I can see them starting to do really really well Um, obviously not as a result of my investing in them but just following their journey and knowing that I was a small part of that journey is actually really, really exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a total, total game changer, you know, yeah. like shift the economic framework of how this thing works and what's the result of that now creative yes. artists, people who for, for whatever span of time or at what points in history, just it's extremely difficult to monetize your work or artists famously get ripped off all the time, creative workers, photographers, like you name it. Right. Yes. But now there's a moment and guess what? Like we as people quite often, as you say, we want to support that artist. I want to buy that person's record or whatever, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so we're able to express that and to support things that, that we're, that we're into in that way. uh, in, in a perhaps in a way that didn't exist before.
1: And that's what I mean about that removing so many degrees of separation because it really does melt all of that intermediacy away from the experience. Like, yes, you buy, um, again, (laughs) inverted commas in the olden days, right? You would buy an album and do this, that, and the other. But by the time some portion of that cash reach the actual artist you know how many other elements or or entities would take value from that pot until it reached the creator absolutely here you have yes there's a small platform fee but nothing to the tune of what artists have been used to i mean rack talks about this all the time in terms of How much, for instance, Spotify, right? How much cash it takes from the artist and what a measly sum the the end artist actually makes for millions and millions of plays. And so, again, redesigning the whole game, redesigning, reshuffling, Um, And really shifting, again, I say this a lot, but I think it's very, very important that there is this shift between the the concepts of power to a concept of empowerment, feeling empowered as as an artist to go and reach so many people with your work, but also from my side as an admirer of art, as a collector of art. I feel empowered to go and explore this whole new world and interact with artists that I would have maybe never even discovered. Because I had, you know, algorithms put in place that would tell me what to listen to or suggest things for me and so on. This is like a whole different... um, Yeah, whole different... I don't know. Way, realm, yeah, uh, dynamic, it, yeah. all of the
0: things. There's also um, the element of like curation in a lot of these platforms and like organized drops and it's almost like, you know, like a, a happening or the way that you would have released an album years ago or something in a kind of, you know, in a performative way when right now, again, we can't do in many places, music festivals and stuff like this. So it feels like a lot of the same people that were creating like that before are starting to direct into these new realms you see it every day on twitter like artists pinging up in, in the replies on nft artist things and they're clearly friends with each other just being like oh man i'm yes. so getting down on this this is awesome And they're like yep that's it let's go you know yes it's very cool yeah. to see
1: yeah and again it's happening so quickly
0: <laughs> what is this uh, nft hackathon uh, that's coming up in, in a few weeks in march where can people go online to get involved in, in building something?
1: Yeah, so, um, I mean, I've kind of um, been collaborating with the East Global team for, gosh, it's coming close to three years now. Um, and I tend to um, be a judge on a lot of their hackathons and it's really exciting. They have a, uh, a quick two-day, because um, we're talking about, you know, all of these virtual um, hackathons have kind of, grown into month-long events, this is actually a 2 day um, so much more in line with the uh, with the usual dynamics of a hackathon. Um, it's March 19th to the 21st. Um, again, I will have the pleasure of uh, of being one of the judges, so very excited about that. And I think it's just nft.ethglobal.co. Um, um, and it's really cool because, um, again, it's something that I've kind of wanted to um, see them starting to to do is actually give winning teams a uh, an NFT as a prize designed or created by um, a, a famous artist, um, and so I'm I'm excited to see what those will be because um, I, I think that's that's happening. Um, so that'll be good, um, really and cool. then yeah really really excited to see uh, what they'll come up with and um, in general um, I'm on Twitter just at sim underscore pop um, and then we have some exciting status news towards the end of March um, when we will be launching as I mentioned um, the the communities feature we will be launching the first phase of that we want to make sure that it's uh, uh, an iterative process that we get a lot of feedback from um from communities and from users so we want because we want to build communities with the community um so phase one will go live um, like i say towards the end of march um so really really wanting to um to get as many people testing it out and we have a lot of um, pioneer uh communities waiting to um to get on and start testing it out um, and so, yeah, um, maybe we'll do another episode once once that's in full swing.
0: Yeah, that would be great. Wonderful. So thank you so thank much you for that. coming on the show. I always really enjoy talking with you about this stuff. And there's never enough time um, to, to get into more things. But yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Visit voyagermedia.xyz for more from this episode. With links to Simona's account on Twitter at sim underscore pop. Also, Status, the upcoming NFT Hackathon, and many of the projects and communities that we've been talking about. Subscribe to Voyager on your podcast app. Tell your friends about the show. Let's get it out there. This is only episode eight, and we have some uh, amazing guests coming through. You can find Voyager Media on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Nick underscore Hollands on Twitter. We'll be back again soon talking about Web3, creative works, tech, crypto, the counterculture, music, and the future. Thank you for listening. See you soon.